Our scripture is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So our text this morning, there's a lot of running around, I noticed. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of running around. First, Mary goes to the tomb and she sees that the rocks rolled away. So she runs back to tell the disciples. And when she gets there, two of the disciples decide to go run back down to the tomb to see if she's like, because, of course, 
We can't just take her word for it for some reason. I don't know what it is, but we got to go verify that Mary's telling the truth. It meant she's not just crazy. And so they start running. Of course, they get a little, they get a little competition going, men, right? They get a little competition going and they start running, trying to outrun each other. And then, you know, John goes out of his way. He must be clearing up a problem in the early church about who got there first. Have you noticed this? So they, John is clearly setting the record straight. Okay, Peter got there first, but then I went in. Or no, I got there. No, it is the other way. I got there first, but then Peter went in, and then I went in after him. But it is, uh, just to establish, John outran Peter, right? He seems to want to say that. Anyway, there's a lot of running around. Then they all run back home to tell everybody else, and, and poor Mary kind of sits back. But bef- in the middle of all this running, I've got to tell you, I can relate to all this running around around Easter time. There's a lot of running around to be done uh, around Holy Week and Easter and running around. And I'm sure you can relate to running around and trying to get everything accomplished that needs to get accomplished. Running around work, trying to meet deadlines. Running around home, trying to get it picked up before someone stops by your mother or somebody. And trying to run around, get your kids where they got to go. Oh Lord, don't get me started on that. Kids getting run around from here to there. And there's a lot of running around in our lives. And it's, it's a blessing. It is a blessing when we get an opportunity to sit back and stop and reflect and think about what God is doing in our midst or even just to be in God's presence. So I pray that that has been a blessing for you today to just be in the presence of God here together. In the middle of all this running around in the story, we are told that the other disciple, whom everyone agrees is John, uh, the beloved disciple, is John the the other disciple pokes his head in and sees that the cloths are just kind of tossed aside and he saw and believed. And then in the very next verse it says, yet they did not understand that the Scriptures had to be fulfilled and that Jesus was to rise from the dead. I was struck by this when I read it. I know you wouldn't believe... I, I mean, I've read it before, but for some reason it popped out at me this time. And... It struck me. He believed, and but he didn't understand what was going on at all. And it made me wonder, what is it he believed at that moment? I mean, surely he didn't believe that Jesus was the second person of the Trinity, a deified Christ, Christus victor over the cross, and that the ecclesia would, would bring forward the inerrant uh, plenary verbal inspiration of Scripture forward, and that we would be waiting for the paraclete to come and bear witness up until the eschaton when the uh, parousia would finally come to fruition and God would sit in judgment. Surely he didn't believe all that crap. <laughs> what he believed. I wonder what he believed. And, you know, I find, we find ourselves in this place so often being told that there's so many things we are supposed to believe about Jesus, about God, and about how Jesus and God interact in the world we live in today. I was, I was looking at Twitter the other day and someone was tweeting, I don't believe in Jesus. Leave me alone. And I thought, wow, okay. 
clearly there's uh, been some problem there. But again, I was struck, well, what does it mean to you that someone does believe in Jesus? And who is this Jesus you don't believe in that has you so visceral <laughs> in, your, in your response about it? And it makes me realize that the, for so long in our history, the church has been about teaching people right belief. That you've got to have right belief about certain things and you have to believe certain things about Jesus and about the church and about what you're, you know, and there's a long list of these things. You've got to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. and I mean, all those creed things, right? The Nicene Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and verse, and, you know, on and on. And all of these things, but we're, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to believe these things. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure that's true. Here was John, who found within himself the ability to believe something so simple, so easy. And it wasn't that long list of creedal things. They didn't develop that till a few hundred years later. What did he believe? I wonder if what John found the ability to believe in that moment when the realization that things are not what we expected, Jesus is not in the tomb, and I wonder if what's being conveyed to us through the Gospel of John is that the belief is as simple as there's something more than this. There is something more than what we have experienced. There's something more than Jesus on a cross and the victory of the powers and principalities that tried to stop what God was doing in Jesus. There's something more than just this death. And it goes beyond that to believing that there's something more for my own life, in my moments of my deepest sorrow, in the moments of my biggest weakness, in the moments of my most ugly sin, that there's something more beyond all of this. And as far as the church goes, here is my faith. Is that this something more, it's our job to help us learn how to achieve that something more. And here's what I want to say about Jesus. Is there's a whole lot of stuff out there about believing in Jesus and about what goes on after we die and and all of that. And it seems to really fo- a lot of folks put a lot of energy into figuring out where you're going to go when you die. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a biblical scholar and I have read the Bible inside and out and Jesus rarely talks about that stuff. What Jesus talks about from Matthew through John is this something more. That there is more than the life that He and His disciples were living under the thumb of Rome and under the, the, the thumb of the Jewish aristocracy and under the oppression that they lived under. There was something more beyond that. And there's something more for you and me today. And it goes even beyond personal piety. What, and that something more is 
what Jesus describes as the kingdom of God. And Jesus spent His entire ministry trying to help people understand how to become something more as a humanity. I don't know what's not to believe in there. I don't know what's not to buy into. You know, if you you know if if folks don't want to be- believe in an afterlife or a resurrection or or any of those, some of my favorite biblical scholars. I, now, personally, I find the resurrection to be an important part of my faith life. But some of my favorite scholars think the resurrection is all allegorical about God overcoming death and this something more. And if you find that to be a struggle, the idea of resurrection, fine. Don't worry about that. Because Jesus spent most of His time talking about how this world can be better than it is today. And I think we could all agree, amen, that this world could be better than it is today. Amen? And I'm here to say that at its heart of heart what it is to say I believe in Jesus is to say that the things Jesus taught and the way Jesus lived and the things that Jesus lived for, died for, and rose on the third day for are worth believing. And if I explore that and spend my life exploring that something more that the world will be transformed into something better. I guess today I want to give us permission to keep our belief simple. And when folks like me, folks dressed like I am, (laughs) start trying to indoctrinate you, and tell you in order to be a follower of Jesus, you must understand things my way, I'm giving you permission to say, well, I'm giving you permission to disagree (laughs) respectfully. (laughs) I'm giving you permission to disagree respectfully. And say, you know what, I'm figuring out who this Jesus is in my life. And I'm learning to follow that Jesus that I've come to know toward that something more in this world. In the hope, and that's what resurrection is about, in the hope of a new day, of a new world, of a transformed life, and a humanity that is truly interconnected one person to another, grounded on the most important thing Jesus talked about, love. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. You're halfway there. Amen? Mary Mary stood there and wept. And it was only when she was brought back to that personal encounter with Jesus, when He said to her in that voice that she knows so well, Mary, All of a sudden she realized this was the Jesus she knows. And yet, there was something more. Jesus said, 
don't hold on to me, Mary. And in fact, the word here in Greek is hapto, uh, which really rightly should be translated, do not keep holding on to me, because it's the uh, perfect imperative tense. If it had been uh, hop, hoptosin, then it would have been translated, do not hold on to me. But it really should be translated, don't keep holding on to me. I think what Jesus is conveying to Mary is let go of all that stuff you thought you knew about me and let it grow into something new. Let it grow into something meaningful and helpful and life-affirming. Let it grow into something that really changes and transforms your life. It's as if he's saying, yes, Mary, you and I had a relationship and you knew me in a particular way, but I promise you that the way you're going to know me from now on is going to be more. And I think that's our message today. Let go of all that crap that you've been... I know there's folks here who have said in their... They have said, I will never set foot in another church again. I know you're here. You don't have to raise your hand. That's okay. We know you're there. I know that there are folks who have said that. And And with good reason. Because a lot of stuff had been piled on to that simple faith in a Savior who taught us to live differently. And I'm... I'm saying today, let go of that crap. Let go. And let the resurrected Christ, the new life, the new Jesus, transformed by three days in a tomb, be resurrected in your life. And begin that lifelong relationship with Jesus that starts maybe today, but grows and transforms and changes and becomes something more right up to the day I'm doing your funeral. Amen? On this Resurrection Sunday, let go and let God reveal to you that something more through the risen Christ. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we, as we experience Easter from from so many places and it's so packed with tradition and so many ideas that have been given to us many of which are fabulous and great and have shaped who we are many of which have hurt us help us to whittle away the chaff and just hang on to that which is most precious that you love us And you want to show us how to have a better world. Thank you. We thank you for new life. We thank you for restarts. We thank you that there is something more. And we thank you that we can let go and begin a journey anew. We ask all of this in the power of Christ. Amen.